Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast, episode number 88 with Dr. Donald Hecht. So uh, really appreciated this conversation, just kind of wide ranging about lifelong learning and uh, uh, Dr. Hecht's journey uh, as a founder of an institution in California, California Southern University, um, that was uh, uh, exploring really early uh distance education uh, endeavors. Um, so he has a really unique journey of how he got started with doing that um, and sort of his values and uh, uh, kind of philosophy behind uh, his efforts there. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, just was kind of a good serendipitous uh, connection uh, that we made recently. And I'm glad that we can uh, share out this uh, lovely conversation with you all to listen to. Uh, so without further ado, let's get to it. Episode number 88 with Dr. Donald Hecht. Well, I appreciate you so much for uh, taking time out for the podcast. And this is, uh, uh, you know, you just reached out to uh, chat and uh, hang out here. And I really appreciate, uh, uh, you know, us being able to make this happen. And, um, you know, I think you'll have like a really unique perspective than uh, some of my other guests that I've had that, uh, I mean, you've been in higher ed for such a long time and you founded a college, uh, which is incredible. And, um, you know, we'll be just talking about a lot and, um you know, just excited to hear about your experience and your perspective. But um, just so we can kind of get a little bit of your uh, origin story, as it were, um, if you want to give everybody a brief introduction of who you are um, and your professional journey of how you got to be where you are today. I know it's a, it's a long one, so if you want to just give a quick summary, then we'll kind of explore um, some pieces of it. But um, yeah, if you just want to introduce yourself and kind of go through your uh, your professional journey real quick. Well, professionally, it starts out as me being an engineer, uh, somebody Took, gave me an exam in high school, said, hey, you should be an engineer. And before I knew it, I was an engineer, not quite knowing what engineering was all about. Four years of uh, engineering school, came out as an engineer. And then I spent five years uh, working in the missile business, uh, Redstone, Jupiter, Saturn missiles, which was very interesting, but it was, uh, for me, it was not enough. Uh, engineering was fine, but it was a little too mechanical for me. Uh, I wanted more uh, contact with people, so I went back to school to talk about uh, continuing education, lifelong learning, and uh, I got my master's degree in industrial engineering, which was more concerned with the people aspect of things rather than with the mechanical aspect of things. Uh, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed getting the degree, and now what do I do with it? So after a while, I decided maybe I should be a teacher. <laughs> Nobody gave me an exam and said, here's what teachers do or here's what a teacher is. But I enjoyed good teachers when I was in, in, in high school, when I was in college. And I felt mm -hmm. uh, maybe I can do the same thing, deliver uh, some information and turn people on and make them excited with it. So uh, I went into high school teaching a couple of years. After that, I said, hey, I'd like to teach at the junior college level. And uh, while going and earning my doctorate in management, engineering management, actually, I always uh, stayed with the basic foundation of being an engineer type. But I, the management aspect of, uh, of engineering, the people aspect intrigued me. And uh, for 10 years, I was a, a professor at a community college in New York where I learned uh, that I, I like teaching. <laughs> I like turning uh, students on to uh, new knowledge, just watching the light bulb go on or the sudden realization in their eyes that they, they've understood something. Uh, and then I said to myself, you know, uh, maybe I can uh, 
change the way education is being uh, conceived and delivered in traditional schools with classrooms and everybody assumed to be at the same level of expertise and the same level of knowledge and the same level of ability. And then you're measured against one against the other and there's the curve, the normal curve, and then uh, you're going to give out a certain number of A's and B's and C's. And that sort of uh, struck me as overlooking the fact that learning is an individual uh, task. It's something one does for oneself uh, self-actualization, uh, self-motion, uh, mm-hmm. feeling good about oneself or exploring new areas, new uh, learning opportunities, new areas to go into. Anyway, I drifted on and I became a dean of instruction at a university here in California. Uh, I had, was born and bred in, in New York and uh, educated in New York, worked in New York, and all of a sudden, I became a transplant 3,500 miles away. I was in California now as a dean. And I was a dean at a school that was evening only. And it was for adults, working adults, uh, who wanted to get their bachelor's degrees in some technological field, technology, and also wanted a master's usually in business or in, in tech management, etc. So I, 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 fed, I fit in. My, my credentials allowed me to jump aboard and become a, a dean and try to influence how education was delivered to these adult learners, working adult learners. And it was very meaningful to me because I earned my master's and my doctorate, a total of about 15 years of additional graduate mm. work while uh, working and having a family and having uh, raised kids and having bills and and uh, everything that goes along with being a parent. So I had a, a feeling that these people coming to me to learn at the university in California uh, really shared the same experiences that I had. And uh, I was com- comfortable with them, but, and I understood why it was difficult for them to stay awake. After a day's work, coming to school at 6 p.m. and sitting there till 9.30, uh, right. two or three days a week, uh, you don't absorb as well. The brain is slowed down. It's tired, etc. And those are what I felt. So I said to myself, you know, uh, be corny. I said to myself, <laughs> there's got to be a better way of delivering education on an individualized platform whereby you don't treat everybody the same. Whereas if somebody falls asleep, you don't wake them, let them sleep, but you have to reach them when they're awake. So I said, I might as well start my own university. <laughs> uh, I didn't grow up wanting to start my own university, but suddenly here I am, 40-something. Lots of experience teaching, experience in, uh, in different levels of teaching, and realizing that there could be a better way. And from that emerged the California Southern University, which uh, evolved out of necessity, not out of a plan. I knew I wanted to do it better, but I didn't know how to do it better. But when you start off with no students and an idea, and the first student calls you uh, from some place out of town and on a telephone, in those days it was only telephones and and a snail mail, and, Mm -hmm. and, and wants to 
get a master's in business and then you start talking with them, you realize that there's you 20 years removed. And yes, I can help you get that degree. We'll do it one step at a time. I will work you through each course. You will, and I will correspond by phone, by mail. And in effect, this was a correspondence school. And uh, 42 years later, we're still doing it, but now we're doing it online. And any place in the world, instant communication, emails, Facebook, uh, social networking, my God, it's a totally different world. But the essential thing that I parried forward is we deal with individuals, one faculty, one student, unheard of. You can't do it, they told me. Well, when you say that to some people, some people like myself say, well, hell, I can do it. It's just it hasn't been done. So anyway, over the 40 years, we've evolved on how to do it properly. So that brought, brings me up to the present. And here I am uh, talking with you and trying to uh, answer any questions you have and inform people that uh, learning. Go for, you ask the questions, I'll do the answering. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. I guess like, you know, it's sort of, you know, in your current work, you know, has been, yeah, like founding and running uh, uh, California Southern uh, University for, um, yeah, over 40 years and everything. So like you said, you did not, you know, kind of uh, think like, oh, you know, when I grow up or get older, I'm going to, you know, found a college or anything like that. You know, what has been maybe like enjoyable about that that you didn't expect or just like any sort of things that you can think of of this experience that you've had of certainly you know evolving this institution over time or just like you know kind of building something from the ground up and uh you know seeing it grow over time like any any of those things i guess just like what resonates with you kind of looking back of like what you kind of enjoyed most about um this many decades long journey of uh founding your own institution i really suffered through my graduate school 15 years uh, it took me five, seven years to get my master's degree. I'll name the school, Columbia University. Great school, great reputation. Yet I was not a full-time student there. I was not. I was an irregular student because I came part-time when I could fit it into my living schedule. And I, I was not able to take all the courses when they offered them. I had to skip around and etc. So... They regarded me as being a special student, non-matriculated. I really didn't matriculate until I finished all the coursework and applied for my degree. And they said, oh, gee, you have to matriculate. Bingo, you're now matriculated. Here's your degree. Let's go on to the next one. So that stuck with me. And I said, this is, and then when I was a dean, I said, this, this should not be a chore. Learning and education is what we do from the moment we're born. We're learning. The brain is just sopping up all kinds of knowledge and experiences and sensations. Why must it be so dull and boring that you don't want to come to class and you want to fall asleep? And then, so uh, that's that's been my motivator. My motivator is is uh, education is fun. It really is. You learn something new, and you never know when it's going to come in handy when you apply it when your career is going to change, when your outlook on life is going to change, or when there's going to be a virus to slam everything mm. stops. And now you're in a 
in a profession, you're a in a in a restaurant business, and all of a sudden you don't have a business. What do you do? You have to, to have skills. You have to have interpersonal knowledge. You have to have abilities that you've acquired. To me, that's the fun part of education. It prepares you, anyone, for uncertainties, for for good times, bad times, calamities, black swan events. Nobody predicted it, this virus. And nobody knows where we're going with it. So what's the best defense other than staying healthy? I think the best defense is to be prepared for what are you going to do and be when all this nonsense stops and when it stops killing people and we can go out and start mingling again and, and building ourselves new reputations, new careers, because some careers are going to be shot. They're gone. Mm-hmm. So that's the fun part of this, that I'm helping people uh, actualize and be whatever they want to be. And they don't, may, may not even know right now what they are or want to be. But that's, that's what education is about. It tries to give you a preparation for your life. And I think that's ongoing, continuous, every day, every minute of every day. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, you know, what I wanted to, uh, talk with you about, cause we kind of were uh, figuring out what might be the best kind of use uh, of our time and what to focus on. And I think just like, because yeah, it's, you know, I'm trying to take as many different angles to this current moment as I can. I've, you know, I've had several uh, recent podcast interviews that we've sort of, uh, tweaked to be uh, mindful of our current, uh, pandemic, uh, this current moment. Um, so you know, you've kind of segued really nicely to just this concept of lifelong learning, which I think as sort of this hot button, you know, sort of buzzword, you know, is that thoughtful process as people continue to pursue like continuing education and, you know, whatever form that might take, there's, there's a lot of options out there now, which is really awesome. But I guess just, you know, you're going to mention that of like, you know, the, the outcomes that come from somebody uh, pursuing kind of lifelong learning in a thoughtful way of being more, you know, resilient in your career. And, um, you know, that's, I think, just one of the many uh, outcomes. But yeah, just like kind of take this question as you will. But like, to you, what makes lifelong learning so important? I think of it as two different types of learning. There's self-learning that is continuous. It's ongoing spectrum. Uh, if you look over the last 40 years, I, I see those 40 years compressed for me, but there's been momentous changes in, in education. Uh, when I started off, it was pencil and paper and a dial-up phone. If I say dial-up, rotary phone, the kids today, people today look at me they're like I'm a dinosaur. What's a rotary <laughs> phone? So we've gone from there to instant communication. You could be in China for all I know, yet we're able to communicate. We're able to send messages and, and draw plans together and design something without having physically meeting with each other. This is a tremendous process of change. Self-learning helps us keep up with the change. We learn how to do, like, a, I'm just learning how to use this microphone. <laughs> so... I, Learning is a continuous process. The mm. important thing about education is its formal learning. It's in a setting where the educators try to distill down the essence of what you're trying to learn and to make it a shortcut. 
we, we, for instance, if you want to know something about uh, marketing, I know something about marketing. I can help you with that because I can distill down 30 or 40 years of experience that you don't have to live through. And that's where formal learning is important. It's more focused. It's a shortcut. It's relevant. It's prepackaged. It doesn't waste your time. And it, it's current. The information should be current and be applicable, if not this moment, but next moment. So lifelong learning in the self-learning aspect of things, yeah, I, I want to learn how to do painting, how to do photography, how to play musical instrument. That's all nice. The formal learning is moves you in a, in a discrete path. And I see more of it going on, as a matter of fact. Uh, our primary student body is 35 to 55, and we have only about 10 or 15 percent of our students, our learners, are undergraduate, 18 to 25, only about 15 percent. The other 3,000, 4,000 students are all graduates. They're people with careers who feel they need a master's degree to propel themselves further or they need a new degree to change course, or they're doing something they've always wanted to do. We've had people in their 70s and 80s who've retired and come back and said, I've always wanted a law degree. So, okay, let's do it, man. <laughs> we go to work, we get the law degree. And, and so that's what lifelong learning is about. And I think the greatest component of learning over the next decades through online is going to be the lifelong learning for the adult, for the person 35 and older. And it's remarkable. There's only about 30% of the population has bachelor's degrees. I'm interested in those 70% that do not have a bachelor's degrees and, and the 80% who do not have a graduate degree. My God, we've got millions of people to educate. It's it can be just transformational for somebody's life. Just unlike the, you know, that self-learning aspect of, you know, learning a new skill or hobby and just sort of getting that fulfillment. And, and you know, that's something that uh, humans can and should do anytime and all the time. But then, yeah, those like kind of formalized, you know, degree programs or certificates and those sort of things, like you said, it's kind of, you know, uh, you know, you get that credential of it's like, okay, if you take these courses, you're, you know, again, yeah, distilling this knowledge down into kind of these chunks and you're getting to a point where, yeah, if you want to be working in a marketing position, then you kind of have the credential to, uh, to do that. And yes, people who are furthering uh, a career in their current company or current industry or trying to switch careers or, um, yeah, maybe, you know, if you're, took time off to be a, a full-time parent or something and you're trying to break back in, then, you know, getting a credential to kind of distinguish yourself that way. But yeah, it is always just amazing. And I think, you know, it, it can help people kind of recognize like the importance of like the milestone of like, when you get a credential, like a bachelor's or a master's, like you are now part of a very select few group of people in this country. And, you know, certainly for yeah, people who work in higher ed, where it's like, there are still so many people that could, you know, greatly benefit from uh, any sort of credential. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there obviously trying to kind of, uh, 
reconcile that through like, you know, education as a benefit or different like funding kind of uh, things and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, it, the, the value of it is like, no matter where you are, like how old you are, what you're doing or what you want to do, you know, the idea of lifelong learning and the kind of the formalized uh, kind of side of the house, like there are, you know, opportunities out there for people to uh, really uh, work towards really positive career outcomes, which obviously like impacts the rest of your life too. If you're not, you know, worried about as uh, worried about money as much, or you know, you able to build really a good foundation for your life and your family and those sort of things. So, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot you know there of just what makes this so important for sure. The important thing of one of the important aspects of lifelong learning is it prepares you for an uncertain, unknown future. As a matter of fact, the mission statement for the university is. Uh, we prepare people for a, a world that they've yet to visualize or yet to realize. How the heck do you do that? You can't do it by specifics. You have to do it by building generalities in, in somebody's mind or in, in open up to possibilities and, and having the, at least the resources how to think coherently, how to think objectively, how to uh, think uh, in terms of uh, holistic, in order to get the brain thinking in those ways, you have to practice and exercise. Practice that they've determined now that the brain is malleable, that it continues to change and grow. My goodness, it grows. Therefore, it can absorb new knowledge and new parts of the brain can go to work doing what you want to learn. Right side, left side, total <laughs> it's just marvelous, but it needs mm -hmm. to be exercised. So they say that uh, education helps uh, with uh, dementia, so that by practicing and using the brain, it keeps it younger. So that alone yeah. should be reason <laughs> to go for lifelong learning. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess like too, I mean, obviously you kind of have this very longitudinal view as how, you know, kind of segueing here of just like how this whole kind of concept or the delivery of um, any sort of, um, you know, kind of lifelong continuing education has evolved and changed over time. So you've kind of mentioned that offhand too, of just like going from kind of these, what people would call correspondent courses, you know, through, you know, uh, regular mail and uh, uh, those sort of things to now kind of, you know, what we're experiencing now is sort of this uh, blossoming of digital education. So I guess just speaking to that of just sort of your point of view and, you know, how that evolution has happened and, you know, um, what that's meant in terms of being able to deliver, you know, high quality education to more people. The, the notion that you needed a classroom is goes back to a thousand years to the University of Bologna, which was founded around 1000 AD. So here we are at 2000 and something, and we're still doing it by classrooms with the talking professor and the students sitting rapidly uh, taking notes and worrying about exams, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that's all well and good, you know? Uh, the, uh, my, my, my perspective is that the undergraduate school, uh, the bachelor's associates, these really are, quote, camp college. <laughs> the, mm -hmm. I have 18-year-old grandsons, twins, and they're off in college. They're not learning anything. <laughs> they're learning how to have parties. They're learning how to be social. They're learning how to be away from their parents. This is a young, an, an adult 
pre-adult transition for them. They don't have the foggiest idea what they're good at or what they would like to be. So for them, it's camp college. But however, as soon as they go out into the real world, then all of a sudden they'll understand the meaning of work and the meaning of a dollar and the meaning of, of doing something that you like or trying to do it. Then they will start to become self-educated. And for them now is the lifelong learning. And and that's the the help that the internet gives, that the technology gives. We can reach anybody, anytime, any place. And uh, that that means that the world can certainly uh, become more educated. And another thing, once you start attending class with somebody or attending a course, even if they're there in China and the other one is in Pakistan and you're here in California, you build a camaraderie, you build a shared interest. So there's going to be more understanding, I think, uh, between peoples and less conflict. Well, because, yeah, I think like that's definitely like a change because like you said, it kind of started where it had to be like individualized just by the kind of limitations of the time. But now that you can still deliver uh, education to anybody um, all over the world, but it can be happening as part of a learning community um, when, you know, a professor might be having um, a live session for their online class. You know, you're bringing together a group of people. You might be doing something like an office hours or um, anything like that. And there's any of the other kind of engagement opportunities that can be um, integrated into, um, you know, any sort of digital education. But um, yeah, I mean, cause I get, I get kind of like the point cause it's always, I think like a, a fair criticism cause I think we're certainly at the kind of the, the peak, especially with the disruptions of the, uh, the pandemic of, you know, someone choosing to go to college purely maybe just for those kind of set dressings and kind of all the uh, other stuff other than just literally the focus on like, are you actually getting a good education? Are you like learning more about yourself, learning more about, you know, these different concepts that you're getting uh, through your coursework? Like that's been kind of circling in my mind where, um, you know, that's going to be the biggest differentiator is like who is really distinguishing themselves through really high quality uh, digital education or just making sure that, you know, because there just may not be the opportunity to have as many programs or any of these sort of uh, other things outside of the class, you know, uh, a student um, maybe just not having the tolerance for a low quality uh, distance education, those sort of things. So, um, yeah, I'm just very curious to see because the fall, I think, is just going to be this kind of uh, you know, uh, bulwark of kind of everything's going to hit it. Uh, and we're going to see who is able to withstand uh, in terms of the institutions and how they're delivering this education, um, being able to do it well and retain their students. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just interesting too, cause I'm sure there's maybe been, um, I guess just anecdotally, if you want to speak to this, because I guess it's just kind of a personal curiosity of just like the types of things that you've maybe taught uh, from a distance, you know, obviously, again, like you're trying to, like you said, kind of build that resiliency for people in terms of their career skills and that sort of stuff. Like, I'm sure there's probably been so much change over, you know, the 40 years that you've been educating people, like certainly like an MBA or different things like those have kind of stood the test of time or law degrees. But I guess, like, anecdotally, can you think of anything that's been, like, really different just between when you started and now of, like, the type of stuff that you've educated people on from a distance? Well, when we started 40 years ago, it, it was relegated to being pencil and paper. Uh, in the 80s, I recall, we tried to get accredited. I uh, recognized accrediting bodies that 
look at schools, determine their credibility and their value and whether or not they adhere to educational standards. Well, nobody would talk with us. They said, oh, you're online, you're junk. <laughs> you can't learn online. You must have the traditional model that I mentioned before. Professor in the front of the classroom, 20, 30, 50 students there taking notes and learning. And there's interaction between the students and the faculty and all this dynamic stuff. And that's how learning should be done. Uh, we don't do it that way. We do one faculty, one learner, one course. And that to us is meaningful because this is, this is the feedback that comes with an individual performing. The faculty reviews the performance, the work, feedback immediately within 24 hours, work the project again, do it better. And, if, and from that, there is a feedback mechanism here. It's like when you drive a car, you turn it, it moves. You turn the wheel a little, it moves back. You have a constant feedback trying to keep you on the road between the two white lines. And the same thing with education as we see it. It's got to be a personal uh, process between an instructor and a, and a learner. And we do it. And they said it couldn't be done. Well, we've been doing it now for more than 30 years. And thousands of graduates say, hey, yes, it is. It is. It's a different process. So when you say where we, what changes have happened, this is to us a monumental change. If you take the classroom, videotape it, send it out on the internet, and call that online learning, you, it, it's not. It's not. It's simply canned uh, program, canned programming. And it's not. It's it's just I can just as learn as much from watching Cosmos or a science fiction movie or something. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest change here. Will we see online mature? Yes. Up until recently, we were just cast off uh, cousins. Yes, we became accredited because the quality of our work and our students and the coursework deserves recognition. However, will it be accepted by the other schools now facing the problem of how to educate, how to test what the student's doing, how to control the students? How do you manage seat time, which is the way they, they you know, take attendance in colleges? Well, you can't take attendance <laughs> to somebody who's online. You have to have, they, they'll check in and you record. They started at one and they ended at two. They may be sleeping. <laughs> There's no way to tell. Right. So that can't be a measure anymore. So they have to come up with new measures. It's going to be an interesting decade ahead of us that the virus caused. And it's going to change the way we perceive education and whether and the way we we deliver education. I think it's going to turn out pretty well, but then I've always been an optimist. Yeah, well, I share that optimism, and uh, yeah, I mean, like like you said, I mean, it, it's, it's there's still a lot yet to to come and to see. Um, where, yeah, I mean, like digital education, like digital strategy, is now going to have to be at the forefront, like 
at the core of any institutions, uh, you know, as they're looking at the horizon, like they need to be really investing a lot of time and energy, you know, again, in my head, like to be doing it well, because, you know, certainly, yeah, there's a lot of that stigma has kind of washed away, but like some places are still doing pretty, you know, pretty static, pretty limited um, versions of online courseworks and degree programs. But, you know, there's now a lot more models of, uh, kind of what high quality looks like, but then it's kind of like, okay, now what, like what, what's going to be that next kind of change and sort of uh, way that digital education gets to be even better. Um, so I'm sure we'll see uh, now kind of, yeah, out of necessity, uh, more of that innovation come. So, um, and I guess, you know, we've talked about a lot in terms of just like lifelong learning, why it's important, you know, some of these changes you've seen over time, you know, cause again, you know, a lot of this is uh, for folks happening, um, nowadays, you know, through various digital means, but, you know, and again, there's kind of different levels of commitment or a uh, cost and those sort of things in terms of, you know, how anybody might pursue uh, lifelong learning and their routine and their life and make it all work and, you know, fit together. So uh, what would be your advice for somebody who's saying, okay, you know, I've, I hear what you're saying. I, I got to put more, you know, time and energy into this to, you know, grow myself, grow my career, those sort of things. What advice would you give to someone who's, you know, trying to fit it into their, their life and all their commitments and that sort of thing? Fit it in, whether it takes 10 minutes a day or 50 minutes a day. It's as important as taking 20 minutes of exercise a week, or it's as important as having a meal and not being rushed. This is food for your brain. This keeps the brain active, just as the exercise keeps the body active and keeps parts moving and functioning. Like, like if you let your car sit in the garage and don't do anything, It'll deteriorate just by sitting around and doing nothing. So uh, I like to tell people, use your brain, use it. What do you like doing? Have you tried this? Have you tried that? There is now in the world, there is education in every conceivable subject that you want an education in. You want to learn Mandarin from real people in China? You can do it. <laughs> you can do it online. Do you want to learn how to play a pinochle, how to win at poker? All this is is learning. You could learn the the odds and learn statistics while you're learning how to play poker. It's all a statistics game. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can watch the racetrack. You can watch a ball game. You can do all sorts of things like that. And do it in a, in the in the way that you've learning that you're doing learning, and that for me is the formal structure of learning, where it where it, it introduces a concept that applies, but you never thought about it, and then you have that aha moment. My goodness, look at that! So that's what it's all about. I, I hope that answers some questions, but I think the future is is in that direction. I don't know why to look like because nobody has that knowledge, but we certainly can be ready for it by training ourselves to be able to uh, think better, think more logically. Well, yeah, like I said, I mean, like, because that's just like the general stuff that's useful, like the critical thinking, just being kind of uh, comfortable with ambiguity, like those things that those, you know, certainly help build kind of resiliency and kind of being flexible and adaptable and all that. Um, But yeah, a lot of what you said, I mean, just like, trying to pursue like what is it that excites you you know that you'd have really like that motivation to keep with it and again it could be you know 
very slow going. Like, you know, you, you kind of went on that long journey for your uh, graduate edu- education, but certainly it could just be, you know, if you're going for a graduate degree, you do one course at a time, or if you're, you know, maybe just wanting to do some short courses that are only like a month long in their entirety anyway, and they're completely self-paced. So you could like really just kind of blow through it really quickly when you have the time. But um, yeah, I mean, there's like so many like cool things out there. I mean, like, cause it just made me think when you're saying like, you know, yeah, you could like learn this from this person to do that. Like you could, it made me think I've, I must've clicked on something once and now I always see the ads um, on social medias for um, a masterclass where you're like, learning acting from a celebrity and you're like learning, you know, filmmaking from uh, like Martin Scorsese or whatever, you know, like that's, it's kind of like a novelty thing, but obviously like if that's striking you and getting you really excited, then, you know, I'm sure you're probably more likely to keep with it than you're like, Oh, I gotta, I'm supposed to learn this thing. So I guess I should kind of drag my feet and get it done. You know, there's so many different opportunities and platforms and, you know, subjects out there. And then, um, like you said, yeah, I mean, it's, it's exercise for your brain. Like it's so important to do, but it doesn't really matter what way you do it and what you're learning about. But yeah, it's just keeps your, keeps your brain active, keeps you um, engaged and, you know, will help you if you're just kind of getting your brain more active. It's like, ideally it would be just sort of keeping you energized and passionate and all aspects of your life um, versus kind of feeling stagnant. And that's going to kind of, you know, drag you down. It's sort of like a rising tide lifting all ships in terms of just like how you're able to show up. Um, You know, it's just sort of my feeling, um, cause I know for me, like I took some short courses on, uh, esports cause like I've always just been into video games. It's really cool to see how like competitive video games have just been like, uh, really this like blossoming industry. So that was just like fun. I had a, like, I have huge interest in it. So I kept with it and got all the work done and yeah, I've taken two courses out of this like certificate program and I'll, I'll take another one eventually. But, uh, yeah, it was just like really cool to do. That is fabulous because that didn't exist five years ago. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. (laughs) You couldn't have predicted it, yet here you are in the middle of it, enjoying it and learning. My God, that is wonderful. There should be a course in you, three credits. (laughs) Yeah, because I think that that was part of it too, where it's like, you know, I was just observing, yeah, this like sort of – huge kind of uh, expansion of the esports industry and i'm like okay i gotta figure out like what's going on here (laughs) because yeah like in a short couple of years it's just like yep it's pretty mainstream like espn is broadcasting like competitive video games so i'm like okay well i want to i want to see what this is all about so um you know if that gives anybody else a little bit of a you know motivation to pursue whatever you know kind of uh lifelong learning uh, resonates with them then uh you know that'd be a good thing um well, I guess then just sort of on this topic, like, I mean, I ask this to everybody, but I'm especially curious for the conversation that we've been having. Um, anything uh, lately that you have been um, reading or watching or listening to, um, you know, certainly as uh, we've all been uh, in quarantine and stuff, I know folks have been uh, kind of indulging a little bit more, but anything that you'd want to recommend, we can link out to it in the, the show notes of like any good books, uh, podcasts, or, you know, documentary, like anything that you've, you feel like has been relevant, you know, it can be related to education or just stuff that's been grabbing your attention, but um, whatever you'd like to give a shout out to, we uh, yeah, would love to be able to link out to it in the show notes. Well, you know, the joke about the uh, cook who on vacation goes to Europe to learn how to do more cooking. <laughs> <laughs> I read everything I can on education. Uh, I try to keep up with the 4,500 colleges and universities in the United States. I try to keep up with what's going on around the world with education, 
if anybody comes up with something new for managing students or for managing data or for, for, for the changes, how to implement it, uh, then I'm, I'm on it. Uh, so <laughs> I'm so wrapped up and focused on what I do that I, uh, I keep busy at that. That's, it's unfortunately, I'm a nerd, but that's where it is. <laughs> well, it's a perfect fit for this podcast. Uh, um, yeah, just kind of geeking out, nerding out about uh, higher education. Because, yeah, I mean, there's definitely like, I mean, like I'll just get emails every day from like Inside Higher Ed and Chronicle. And like uh, there's some other little upstarts uh, that are trying to cover higher ed, uh, you know, with like weekly newsletters and that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, there's other like more global perspectives on higher education, I think from like the guardian and, uh, um, that sort of thing. But, uh, I guess, yeah, I mean, have you read like any particular books lately that you would like recommend like education related? Cause I, I, I feel like it's one of the, it's, there's so many people publishing stuff about like, yeah, like the future of education and like, you know, all these different things. I don't know if there's one that you, you in particular, um, you know, maybe you've read recently that you feel like is a good, uh, relevant read. No, I can't say there is any one thing. I get a, about a half a dozen different journals, uh, Columbia University, NYU, my alma mater send me their uh, quarterly journals of what they're doing in research and how they're progressing. It's, mm. it's, just, it's overwhelming just to keep my nose above water uh, in what's happening and the changes. Uh, but I enjoy it, so <laughs> it's it's uh, it's not a labor; it's a labor of love. It really is to, to, to try to figure out what's going on and how to do it better. Uh, and uh, may I ask you a question? How did you put together Higher Ed Geek? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it started just as a you know a blog to. Um, like when I was in grad school, kind of like put myself out there and uh, kind of distinguish myself, and then. Um, like this as a podcast kind of came uh, in the shadow of doing a show for another blog. Um, I was like pretty prominent in the uh, higher ed world of student affairs collective, um, which um, I get more focused on like folks who, you know, are doing the work uh, directly with students in a variety of capacities. But uh, so I did that podcast for over two years, took a break and then wanted to kind of keep pursuing this and just do my own show. But I mean, it, it just kind of, I have kind of a geeky personality and I got kind of this advice of just sort of like mashing up the things that you're into and that kind of creates something that um, is a little bit more unique. So um, higher ed geek just kind of came to me <laughs> as sort of the, the branding, the name, but uh, yeah, it has been going since like 2013. Um, Cause yeah, I think that, yeah, the summer before my final year of grad school, cause yeah, I graduated in 2014. So yeah, 2013 um, is when that all kind of came to be. So yeah, it's just been like a nice little hobby and kind of side project for all that time through all the different changes that I've had and moving around and all that. So, yeah. You've become sort of an expert on this, haven't you? Uh, well, my humility, uh, I don't know if I'm an expert, but uh, um, yeah, I do like to try to just, I mean, through all these conversations and learning so much and, you know, similarly kind of trying to keep, uh, you know, keep a pulse on everything that's happening in higher ed as best I can. But um, yeah, I, I try to just keep as knowledgeable um, as I can just to kind of keep an eye on the trends and stuff. So yeah, I do my best. Fabulous. I always am interested in how people wind up doing what they're doing. And it's always a fascinating story that it interests them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, like that, uh, I gave the very cliff notes version of it, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely, you know, 
just been something that I can always kind of take some uh, comfort as being like the constant through different jobs and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, just kind of tries to mesh up. Like I wrote a lot on my blog originally about like sort of, you know, take something geeky like Spider-Man or Green Lantern and like how can you, le- you know, learn a leadership lesson from Green Lantern or like about, you know, uh, work-life balance and Spider-Man because he's, you know, trying to balance his like regular identity with being a superhero and that sort of thing. So like I did like a bunch of stuff on that originally and then, you know, uh, definitely the podcast has taken most of my focus uh, with higher ed geek at large. Um, but uh, yeah, it's definitely fun and yeah, definitely learn a lot just through talking with people and, uh, so just on that note, I mean, just thank you so much for, you know, hanging out for the podcast and, uh, sharing all that you did and, uh, we'll have ways to connect with you and California Southern and, uh, stuff that we mentioned here in the uh, show notes, but, um, yeah, just thanks again so much for your time. I appreciate the opportunity and I look forward to hearing some more of your pods and picking up some additional information. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.